Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener to episode 17 of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. I am George, and with me as always today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And John is here. Salutations. On today's episode, we revisit a previous book, review a strange tale, and dive into a piece of classic literature from an alternate universe. But first! But first! Aha! I tried to steal it from I, you. I've got nothing. <laughs> There's nothing else. <laughs> Normally, this is the point where we would talk about some listener email or maybe a suggestion that a podcast listener wrote in about, but we didn't get any of that. We have had a couple of new oh. iTunes reviews. They were five-star reviews, which was Yay. very nice, but they didn't have any story. They didn't write anything. They just gave us the stars. It was a rating, which, but not a review. Got it. Yeah, a rating. Those are a five-star rating. Those do no, help. Yes. We yeah, appreciate those. Yes. Definitely. But, but they we, really don't stroke George's ego like we need. We're no, looking for no. really so just George's pros. ego needs a lot of stroking. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who listen to both Gen X Grown Up and Drawn and Paneled, you are well aware of that. If this mm-hmm. is your first time, you will become aware of this in this episode that oh, my yes. ego needs a lot of help. <laughs> and I can vouch for it if you haven't heard of it. So yeah, I'm here for you. Yeah, you've only known me, what, 30 years now? I'm. Uh, you could probably figure it, it seems out. Seems like 100. <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely want to make sure that our podcast listeners out there write into us, tell us all about the stuff that they're reading, that mm-hmm. they're interested in, mm-hmm. things that they like or don't like about the episodes. Jason, you've mentioned that you'd also like to get some suggestions for our back issue topics from oh, yeah. our podcast listeners so that we aren't always having to come up with stuff that we like. We'd love to review and talk about books that they like, right? Yes, absolutely. So if there's a, a classic story or a one shot from back in the day that you want us to talk about send us that email or could they write in and like say which of the three hosts they like most could they do that too as long as it's jason that's fine (laughs) as long as it's jason (laughs) i think that it it all depends on who is actually monitoring the inbox as to which ones get read i suppose right (laughs) well yeah whoever's editing the episode kind of has final control of what ends up happening so oh darn it you know there you go i've I've noticed a lot of pro john email on the gen x grown-up podcast (laughs) i'm kind of guessing there might be some pro George email on the drawn and panel. Yeah, you read them all, but there's a definitely, there's a slant. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those of you who would like to write into us, maybe you've been a little bit nervous. Maybe you think yours won't get read on the air. Trust me, it It will. will. (laughs) Yeah. We read every single email. We'd love to hear from you. Please write into us at podcast at drawn and panel.com. Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. 
I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to discuss what's happening in the world of comic books. So, George, John, what's happening? I know what's <laughs> happening is uh, I, I am owed ten dollars. That's what's happening. No, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm not mm. owed ten dollars. Oh, I no. am. Why on are the, you owed ten dollars? On the last episode, we were talking about the fact that the sparkly vampire boy Robert Pattinson was on the short list to be the right. next Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Yes, and there was, he there was. There was Robert Pattinson. Uh, some other and dude that you guys knew. Nicholas Holt, yeah. Yeah, and we went around and I'm like, I'll put my five bucks on Robert Pattinson. You put yours on Holt. And Jason put his five on everybody else. <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. They yeah. announced that Robert Pattinson got the gig. And how he got the gig, I don't understand unless somebody said, well, John's got a bet. We need to make sure it's Robert Pattinson. <laughs> so there was a write-in campaign or yeah. something that we didn't Te- hear about. Technically, we didn't shake on it. So it's not real. Oh, <sighs> yeah. I love the technicality. You I think I might use that. Well, well, <laughs> okay, article- fine. I'll pay off in chicken wings. How about that? <laughs> Fair enough. That, that, I, I accept chicken wings as a legal yeah. tender. That's fine. <laughs> the article I read about Pattinson getting it, they really touched on a couple of things that I think I, was the, my reasoning for why I thought he could do a good job because they said, yes, he's he, yes, he was uh, Edward Cullen in the Twilight series, but they right. said because of that, he's already been like part of a large, important franchise. Now, mm-hmm. a very different okay. demographic, but he's already had experience experience like dealing with that, dealing with the fame and the press tours and all that stuff. Right. And they noted what I noted, which was since that time, if that's all you know him for, he's been involved in lots of like gritty parts and independent films and larger films. And he's really expanded his acting mm-hmm. chops. And so I thought Nicholas Holt was going to have the inside track because of his involvement with the X-Men. And we've seen a lot of crossover between the two universes as far as actors playing in one comic book universe sure. and another. Sure. Right. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is is probably one of the more well-known ones. Chris Evans also, yeah. you know, they've moved back and forth between DC and Marvel. So I thought Nicholas Holt had the inside track because he's already shown that he can be a part of a superhero film franchise. However, he was just a part of it, not the franchise character in the series. So maybe that's why Pattinson had a little bit more sway because he was absolutely the big name in yeah, those the Twilight cornerstone films. of that Twilight yeah, he, series for sure. The, the yeah. sparkling corner stone yes the oh. sparkling carner <laughs> little, little twinkly vampire cornerstone that's right yeah i mean i'm happy that he's there one thing that i did find out about though as well uh apparently not only did affleck drop out of playing batman he also gave up the directorial reigns on the mm-hmm. film Be that uh, way. Who, Fine. who is it that's gonna direct it now jason do you know his name's matt reeves and he did he did a few of those newer uh planet of the apes movies that are really good that's right yeah now yeah 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 Yeah. 
Those are especially, yeah, all three of those. I think he did the last two. Uh, those were actually really good movies to me. So I, I well, have, I have well. high oh, hopes yeah. for the those Batman. Yeah. So they're going to go. Obviously, this is going to be a younger Batman because mm-hmm. it's Robert Pattinson and he doesn't look nearly as old as Ben Affleck mm-hmm. did in a lot of the affectations. How do you guys think moving forward that's going to affect the franchises that they've already started, like with Justice League and the Batman versus Superman stuff and everything where Affleck has already been a part and that character is already already shown as being old and having given up the mantle for a while and now coming back to it. Reboot. What are they going to do to write that? <laughs> is it going to be a full reboot? Because do you get rid of all that money you did in Justice League? I mean, that was a I'm lot sure they that they spent right. all of that. But in the article that I read, I don't, know if you, if, I don't know if Jason, if you saw the same one or not, but they said that I think it's a trilogy of uh, of the Batman that's being set up with Pattinson is it is not at all connected to the character that was played by Affleck. Hmm. Really? That's interesting. That's what they said. Wow. So yeah. the whole so all right they've already fragmented the dcu by taking the television and saying it's separate from the films right we we're not going to take the actors from tv who are super popular and very good at their job we're not going to move them into film we're going to do all new people they've had several dc films out there in this universe you've had the wonder woman stuff with gal gadot that's been very popular and rightly so right then you've had aquaman which did pretty well and i actually liked as one of the dc films i thought Mm -hmm. it was pretty good and you've had justice league which was eh you know, it was we know okay. what they say. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. However, I just still broke, so it can keep fixing it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's certainly a lot of fans involved with the Batman and DCU stuff, but Jason, you got a story about fans doing something to save something local. That's right. In Connecticut, there's a local comic shop, DJ's Comics, that is a cornerstone of the community, it seems like, and he's fallen on hard times and started a GoFundMe page um, and he's getting some pretty good um, help out so far but he's got a goal to try to you know save the store in a last ditch effort and people are really showing an outpour to, to save this store which is is I, you know, I like sharing these human interest stories on the what's happening every now and mm-hmm. then because, you know, we're all fans. We all have our comic shop that we like or, you know, a convention right. that we like to go to. So, you know, that's why I you know brought this to the table. So what kinds of things are they rallying? What kinds of things are they doing to try and save this local comic shop? They're donating money. To, to help okay. him pay so his bills. So it's just yeah. the donation of the money. Yeah. They're not like, like I was wondering when you said they rally to save the local comic shop. Like I didn't know if they were like uh, putting articles out there on the web or trying to get local news people involved to, you know, do that kind of thing. John, you've had a uh, very personal involvement with local news media as being mm-hmm. a director for local right. yeah, news yeah. for a long time. Yep. Is that the kind of thing that news stations look for with that human interest last five minutes of the show kind of stuff? It certainly could be. It really just depends on what, if there's an angle to be had. You know, just it's, it's not always enough that it's, you know, oh, somebody is in uh, somebody's in dire straits. It's better if they're in dire straits and they have a cute puppy or something. It's really going to help out. I got you. <laughs> so it's, it, it, there's got to be enough of an angle for them to get their teeth into. But I mean, it's you think it'd be worthwhile. I mean, if they're not if they're not uh, exploring local media to get their word out, they're missing certainly an avenue. Well, and one thing for sure, we don't have enough local comic book shops. They are drying up. They're few and far between. There are some towns that don't have them at all. Some bigger towns have mm-hmm. these new multi-conglomerate things like the Coliseum of Comics right. that's kind of here in the 
Southeast mm-hmm. and bigger stores like that. And then there's the ones that are online that also have local comic book shops in big metropolitan areas like Midtown Comics out of New York, for instance. Mm-hmm. I've so been there. it's important, I think, to try and save these local comic book shops. So, Jason, I'm assuming that you have a link to this GoFundMe that you can throw in the show notes for our people. I absolutely do. I will have a link to the article and a link to the GoFundMe so everybody can check it out. Well, on from that rally cry, I've got my own rally cry. And this is going to be a personal soapbox. So if neither of you two wish to participate in this one, <laughs> I completely understand. But I'm a little bit upset right now. Yeah, you and I talked a little bit offline ahead of time. So uh, Scout Comics, a really good friend of the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. They are getting a bit of uh, encroachment on their intellectual property. And it's, uh, I think we got to call some shenanigans. Yeah, I'll say this. If it were not for Scout Comics, and in particular, James Hake, who is the creator of Solar Flare, The Mall, and a whole bunch of other stuff there at Scout Comics, he's now the president of the company. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for him, this show wouldn't exist. And I say that because four or five years ago, when I went to Megacon for the first time, it was the first convention I'd been to in probably 15, 20 years at that point. My son and I were walking around, and I saw James standing at his little table there at Megacon. We all know how cramped that is. We've been to Megacon. Sure, yeah. And he was standing there promoting his book solar flare i read his little banner that had the story synopsis on it and i thought oh that's kind of neat i stopped talked with him a little bit he told me a little bit more about the story showed me some of the book and everything let me read through it a little bit and i enjoyed it so much that i bought the whole set which was five or six issues i forget which at the time right and i bought it and then throughout the weekend as we were walking through we would walk past his table more times and i would stop and you know talk to him a little bit and then later on that kind of spawned the idea after we started Gen X Grown Up to have Comic Sans, which was a video YouTube comic book review show. Mm-hmm. We did that, Jason, you and I did that for a long while. Right. And that evolved eventually into Drawn and Panel. Now, Scout Comics has a book that's super popular called The Mall. It's already been licensed by Ivan Reitman to go into television production in the upcoming years. It's a great book. It's about the mid-80s, a mall and a crime family. It's like, what if Goodfellows met a John Hughes film? That kind of a thing. Well, there's another comic book publishing company out there called Vault Comics, which have had some really fun and good titles in the past. They're another indie developer out there, another indie publisher. They now have a new book called called the mall. Hmm. I'm not happy about this. It feels to me as though they saw the popularity of Scout Comics book and said, that's a cool title. Let's develop a property on it. Well, now, certainly no one has ever heard of Scout Comics The Mall. It's not like it's been had any press releases or has been any news about it or anything. <laughs> certainly this is a just crazy coincidence. So if you were to contact this new publisher, they would certainly change the title or back down or somehow help out, right? You know, you would think so. However, <laughs> having sources very close to the situation, that's all I'm allowed to say on the podcast, I've been told. I have read the emails that have been sent back and forth between these two different companies. Well, that, that pretty much narrows down what your source is. It's either the sender or recipient <laughs> of an email. <laughs> somebody could have hacked somebody's email or account. Hacker, you don't yeah. know. All right. So essentially, one company reached out. The other said, you're kind of taking something that we've already done. Please don't do that. The other company sends back, our artist really wants to do it. So we're just going to 
keep going with it because our lawyers tell us that you can't copyright the title of a book. Plus, ours is called Mall, not The Mall. Mm. But every single article out there on the web, when you search for Vault Comics Mall, they even refer to it as The Mall on their own website. So, yeah, John, you started this off by saying I'm calling shenanigans. I am absolutely calling shenanigans. Independent comic book publishers, first of all, they should be supportive of each other because they need each other to all mass enough sales to outdo Marvel and DC as a whole. So you can't copyright a title? Does that mean I can make a new soda called the Coca-Cola and I'd be co- all right? Oh, well, well, I guess if you go by Vault's Lawyers, yeah. Yeah. apparently. That's well, all right. You know, Ours is called the Pepsi, so we're all fine. I think it's all crap. I I see this going the way of Dead Rabbits. Jason, you remember that comic book that got canceled after two issues? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They Image had a book called Dead Rabbit, and there was a bar in New York that also had, had some little comics kind of associated with the bar called Dead rabbit and they sent a cease and desist order to image comics and that series only lasted two issues and that's image comics by Mm -hmm. the way which is probably the largest if you want to call it independent comic Mm -hmm. book publisher Mm -hmm. it's not marvel or dc but is absolutely number three when it comes to comic books in the world right now and they recognized what they had done and said sorry we didn't see that before we're going to stop doing this and they stopped they didn't put out another book they actually recalled books from shelves in a respectful way i i thought how they handled that situation was perfect they haven't tried to go back to the well and try and republish it with a different name or anything they said nope you're right we stepped on your toes we apologize we're done not vault vaults going forward i'm like so as much as i've enjoyed some of the stuff i've read from vault comics from this moment forward i will no longer buy a single vault comic book ever now have you reached out to vault for official word or a quote or i have and i've gotten no response Oh, wow. Hmm. But for those of you who like our show and enjoy Scout Comics, I suggest please do some write-ins, put some stuff out there on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you like, just to talk about your opinions. Because all honesty, independent publishers, they don't need to be going after each other like this. We all just need to be respectful and say, oh, you know what? You're doing this thing. Let's change our title at least or do something. No. I mean, how hard is it to change a title? Can't really? we all just get along? So. Anyway, (laughs) that's enough of all that bad vibes and bad feelings and everything. Let's get right back into the good stuff right after this. Holy icicles! In their daily pursuit of justice, our superhero characters do battle with the world's most evil villain. Where will the next evil villain come from? Maybe you will create them in Post Superheroes Create a Villain Contest. Welcome to the Drawn and Paneled Hot Seat Interview. In this part of the show, we sit down with a special creator, writer, artist, or celebrity from the comic book world to find out what makes them tick. Today's guest is Roland Mann, comic book writer, former editor at both Malibu and Marvel Comics. Roland, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. That is awesome. We are so happy to have you here on the show. I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right into the questions. Tell us, Roland, where were you born? Where's home? That's actually two different questions i guess okay fair um, enough <laughs> I, I was born in memphis tennessee uh down south the home of elvis presley right uh right but, yeah but i spent uh, i spent my elementary years just outside of memphis in a little place called horn lake mississippi but dad was transferred when i was in about the sixth grade and we moved down to brandon mississippi which is just outside of jackson and that's that's where i grew up that's where i spent my time that's where i learned to uh love reading comics where i started collecting them right and, and uh discovered <laughs> what uh, back issues were at that time was where I rode my bike to the uh, to the sh- 
to the Seven uh, Eleven to uh, buy comics um, right, right off, off the spinner rack. rack. Yep. But now sometimes I have to add to toss this in. Sometimes when people ask me where I'm from, I will sometimes say Arkansas because my family has been there for 150 years in this exact wow. same spot. In fact, my dad's got uh, about 20 acres of land that has only ever been owned by the Mann family, the U.S. government, and the uh, the Chickasaw Indians. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> Short owner yeah. list there. Wow. So, uh, so yeah. So that's uh, that's me. That's my geography. Well, you've been quite a few places here in the South, but tell us a little bit about all the places you've been in the comic book industry. You have an extensive work history, and we want to know all about it. I was in Mississippi when when I got started, and of course, uh, uh, like many, uh, I didn't want to move to to New York, so I started off writing from uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I went to school down there at USM. Uh, met a couple of guys. This is in the days of uh, this would have been in the late '80s, uh, part of the black and white or independent boom. And met a guy in college mm-hmm. by the name of Stephen Butler, who's a fantastic artist. Uh, I'm sure many of your listeners know who he is. Done a lot of lot of good work. Oh yeah, uh, Stephen's a good buddy of mine, uh, roommate right after college. Well, we we started swapping notes about uh, you know, oh man, I've submitted to Marvel, can't you know all this number of times I've submitted to DC, no one will answer me, no one likes me, ah blah blah blah. And finally, we just looked at each other and said, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did it, we can do it. <laughs> you know, right. so we're, that's what go. we did. Right. We just said, well, let's do it. So uh, Stephen had a sweet mate by the name of uh, Mitch Bird, who's a, a also a fantastic artist. And we just put some stuff together and, and that's what we did. We came up with uh, one of the big titles, of course, was a, uh, a series that we did for about two years called Cat and Mouse. And uh, oh, well, thank yeah. you. I, I love to hear that when, when I mentioned Cat and Mouse. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it ran, like I said, it ran for about two years, got some critical acclaim. It was on the uh, top 10 black and white books with with uh, Comic Shop News for, you know, about half of the run, uh, which, you know, I'm still proud of to this day. Uh, but that led to other oh, work. Sure. That led to, I did some Planet of the, uh, some Planet of the Apes work for uh, Malibu's Adventure Line. Yep. Awesome. Uh, got to set it in Memphis. If you if you read my story, you'll note uh, <laughs> that you'll see some things like uh, Elvis Presley's Gate, uh, some, some very Memphis-centric things. Um, that was a lot of fun. I uh, got to do a project with uh, with Lita Ford. Your, your headbangers will appreciate her. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Lita Ford, 80s icon. That's right. Yep. Uh, everyone uh, tends to know her for her uh, duet with Ozzy, mm-hmm. uh, but we, uh, I, I uh, Lita had this kind of concept for the uh, for a story. So she told me. I spent time on the phone with her. Uh, she told me what she wanted to do. I took it, turned it into a story, uh, and then Jim Ballant is the one who provided the the very lovely artwork for it. And uh, floating around the internet, if you look hard enough, you can find some pictures of me and Lita and Jim signing autographs at uh, San Diego Comic Con around ninety two, ninety three, something like wow. that. So yeah, nice. yep. Got to sit right beside her, rub elbows with her. She was uh, she was fantastic. She was a sweetheart. So uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, and of course, those projects then uh, put me in a good relationship with uh, Malibu Comics. And uh, you know, coming off that uh, the that '80s boom, uh, Malibu was still part of that. Malibu, you know, they published a lot of the independent stuff in the late '80s, and uh, the industry just in general was having this uh, tremendous growth. This was a time when Marvel was selling you know books in the in the in the hundreds of thousands. Thousands and, and millions, actually, and so Malibu said they were getting ready to uh, t- to do some stuff, and they needed an editor. And did I want to 
to come out there? And I answered them, you know, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Southern boy. I didn't really want to move to California, sure. right? Right. But, uh, the opportunity was was too good for me to turn down. So I did. I moved to California and then I became the editor of such things as Protectors, Dinosaurs for Hire, uh, X-Mutants. Right. Uh, worked on those until the Ultraverse came around. And this is where a lot of people have a, a tendency to associate my name with is that uh, they remember the Ultraverse uh, mostly fondly. Um, sure, and then, of course. Mostly. Uh, and, and then, of course, the Protectors were canceled. And then uh, I moved over to edit uh, some of the Ultraverse titles like Sludge, um, uh, Prototype, Nightman, um, Strangers, uh, Rune, uh, after Barry left, uh, Barry, Barry gotcha. didn't have an editor, but after he <laughs> left, I, I, I edited Rune. So, um, and then I, I, I did that until, of course, the Marvel purchase, and that's how I became a Marvel wow. editor. Yeah, yep. that's not a bad purchase, by uh, the no, way. No, no, it's not. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of a, a lifelong dream. Uh, when I get my first check from Marvel, you know, take it home and show my wife. I'm like, look, Spider Man is on oh, my paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that's something you frame, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and so did that, you know, for a couple years uh, and, until, of course, the industry uh, the really began to collapse. Uh, anyone who knows uh, remembers that Marvel uh, declared bankruptcy in 96. And uh, that's the the same year uh, they fired about 400 people. And I was just one of those 400. Uh, and so, but after that, you know, I, of course, I, I didn't fully realize the what a bad shape the industry was in. But after that, uh, I went and did uh, my own uh, small press stuff. And that's how I began Silverline, which is the my, okay, my, the label gotcha. that I use now. Well, tell us a little bit then. I know you've got a lot of stuff, a lot of irons in the fire. You go to a lot of conventions and yep. everything. But tell us a little bit about your latest book from Silverline. The one that I'm pitching is uh, Cat and Mouse. It's a volume two, so I'm not just retreading the old ground. Uh, I've got uh, new characters, but the same setting, some of the uh, some similar, uh, some of the same uh, secondary characters. Uh, fans of the old stuff will find you know something new. But my elevator pitch is this: uh, Brett gets a call from his ex fiance. Uh, who asked him uh, to go find his kid sister, her kid sister. I'm sorry, her kid sister's run away. She asked him uh, to go get her, bring her home. Brett's studying to be a police officer. It's his ex, so he doesn't really want to do it, right? right. But it feels <laughs> it's, the, it's the right thing to do. So he goes to New Orleans, uh, look, pokes around a little bit, only to find out that uh, the kid sister's been caught up in a human trafficking ring. Oh. So, yeah, so, and of course, you know, New Orleans is a, is a big place for that. So yeah. he has to figure out how to get her disentangled, disengaged from that and get her home. Uh, and yes, oh, there now, are ninjas involved. That's all you had to say. Drawn and panel, <laughs> we love ninjas, right? That's awesome. Well, tell yep. us a little bit about yep. what was your inspiration to going back to a title that was so popular you know, in your early days, one of your first books? Well, I mean, obviously, there's the the practical side is that, you know, there's the name recognition. People recognize it. Uh, It's one of those things that, you know, I would go to these shows over the years and people would come up to me. Oh, I remember Cat and Mouse. When are you bringing Cat and Mouse back? When are you bringing Cat and Mouse? And I would say, well, here's this new project I've got. Right. (laughs) Here's this other new title. You know, I'm more than just Cat and Mouse. And, uh, (laughs) you know, the timing just never was right. And everything just kind of fell into place. And so... 
well, yes, I still do other t- other books, right? It right. was just it was just the right time to bring uh, Cat and Mouse back. And one of the things that uh, you know, as you could tell from the pitch, one of the things that we do want to tackle is is sort of the the human trafficking issue that is, uh, I think, is a terrible issue in the United States, and we just kind of well, tend to turn a blind I mean, eye. That's to it. one of the best things about comic books is being able to tackle social issues, right? Yes, and absolutely. that's why we love the independent books so much here, at drawn and paneled, because the big two Marvel, who you worked for, DC, sometimes they're able to do that, but not very often. Usually they right. have to sell the bubblegum stuff to get the big numbers. But that's the right. independent guys like yourself can go out there and create stories that really have some grit and some teeth. And we love that stuff. Now, before we get out of here, yep. Roland, I got a special segment for you. Okay, Are you ready it? for our four rapid fire questions of death? <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> Ooh, that's a brave man right there, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. All right. Question number one, your favorite Muppet. Ooh, Muppets. Uh, so I got to go with, now I'm thinking okay, Sesame Street. Enough. So- I got to go with uh, Grover. Oh, yeah. yay. Super ah, Grover. Yeah, absolutely. Grover. Put the cape on him, right? I love to see him with the <laughs> That's cape. That's right. Comic books. That's like natural <laughs> That's for right. us, right? <laughs> Question number two. A guilty pleasure that you're ashamed to admit to. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, how, how many do you have, <laughs> do you have time for? Um, you know, I, probably my guilty pleasure is I, I play games sometimes way too long, especially okay, on like the weekend. Games yes. you're talking about? Yes, okay. my, I play a lot of computer games uh, with, with my son, and I've really recently been playing a game called City of Heroes, which sure. is superheroes, right? right? And and I, you can catch me. I will start, uh, you know, at eight or nine o'clock. And I'm playing five or six Ooh, o'clock the next morning. Yeah, that's still. a guilty pleasure yeah. there, sir. Yeah, I'm going to call you yeah. out on that one. That's a guilty pleasure. I love games too, but man, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's out of control. Question number three: Your favorite '80s film or TV show? Oh man, that one's easy to answer. Uh, I got kind of two I got to pick from, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Highlander. Oh, nice. Yep, very good choice. I, I, I went to see it initially because of the Queen soundtrack, right? Because I was a right? huge Queen fan. My, my second choice, by the way, you didn't ask, would have been Flash Gordon. Oh, you know what? Another great <laughs> Queen film, yep, right? Absolutely, I mean, great tie in there. I love both of them. I'm gonna let you have both of them for okay, this. Okay, very cool. <laughs> All right, final question: Your favorite comic book or comic book character that you did not create yourself? Wow. Uh, so many ways to go. So do I go indie? Do I go Marvel DC? You know, I'm going to go with my longtime childhood favorite, uh, and that has to be the Vision from uh, the Avengers. Nice. Uh, Good now, choice. Now, I have to say, he was my favorite long before the movies came around, okay? Sure. So right. I knew who the Vision was before anybody watching, you know, the, these millions watching these, the, the <laughs> movies did, right? I love the way Roy Thomas and Steve Eagle, Steve Eagle Art handle him in the Avengers. So an OG Vision fan. Yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> well, very quickly, Roland, before we get out of here, I want to give you just a quick moment to tell everybody where they can find everything in the Roland Man universe. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'd love everyone to come, come visit, leave me some comments, talk comic books with me. Uh, the best place to find me is probably my website. It's it's uh, www.rollinman.me. That's M-E, me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on Facebook at uh, 
Roland Man author. And then you can find me on Twitter. And I really don't tweet that much. I find it to be a black hole a little bit, but I am on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me there at Man Roland. Nice. Okay. Roland, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I had a blast. And listeners, we'll be back right after this. Meepor has Superman trapped. He's using kryptonite to destroy his powers. Now you'll tell me why Superman peanut butter tastes so great. Never. So fresh roasted, so creamy, so yummy, that its secret will be mine, all mine. This is the part of the show that I am told is called the round table, where uh, <laughs> typically You're what told. happens, yeah, typically what happens is that George and Jason assign me some comic books to read, and then we all discuss it from our different yes. viewpoints. Uh, mixing it up, mixing it up here. They let me pick a comic book for this round table. Okay, so, I want to clarify. We didn't let you pick. We finally got you to pick something. <laughs> I think that's a little bit more accurate. Yeah, so uh, you said, here are the new comic books that are coming out or recent things you want to look at. And so, yeah, I picked something. So you're subject to my whims now. The tables have turned. The round table has turned. You can't tell. Well, tell us what you picked. Let's get on with it. I did. So I picked a a new book called Stranger Things 6, issue number one. Mm. Okay. This is just as you would expect based on the uh, Netflix series Stranger Things. It's published by Dark Horse. Right. And it was just released on May 29th, just last week. Uh, it's written by Jody Hauser and uh, drawn by Edgar Salazar. And okay. it, it's what you think it is. It's all a part of Stranger Things. It's prequel. It's backstory stuff. And I can't get enough of Stranger Things in general. Or that We have the new season of Stranger Things or new part three or whatever they're going to call it coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah, whatever July, they're going to call it. Yeah. Is, yeah, I can't wait for that. And this takes a look at a new character we haven't seen seen in Stranger Things. We know 11 and we know I think 8 was the other character we met uh, in uh, season 2, but this is right. 6. So it's patient number 6 inside of the uh, the lab that's just outside of the town where Stranger Things takes place. And uh, I picked this book. So I look, you guys pick based on man, I know this writer and I think this is a really cool uh, you know, storyline or whatever. And I pick comic books the way that you know, I pick teams to win the Super Bowl. I'm like, they have a pretty jersey. I like those colors. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I scrolled down and I'm like, superhero, spandex, flying, laser eyes. Ooh, Stranger Things. It, and it's the way I would look at things on a, you know, if I'm in a comic book shop and I'm looking at how, what would draw my eye or draw my attention that I would be interested in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, boom, let's take a look yeah. at Stranger Things. Of course, because it relates directly to something you already know and love, right? Sure, it of course. It relates directly yeah. to a TV show that... Well, not just you. I mean, I love it too. Yes. Jason, I don't I haven't talked to you about Stranger Things, but I'm guessing you probably enjoy yeah, that show. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> and there's something to be said when a comic book can take a known property and translate mm-hmm. it into the comics world, especially if they do it well. Now, we have already reviewed a Stranger Things series that was set um during the events of se- season 1, but mm-hmm. it was all from Will's perspective in the Upside yeah. Down, which we yeah. didn't really get to see a lot. Yeah. And that was a really fun series. So yeah, Dark Horse has done Stranger Things well in the past. John, this is your first time picking a book, so I want to know, do you think they did a good job with this one so far? I do think they did a good job with it. I mean, I don't think it's perfect. Uh, so okay. like, again, it takes a new character and it's a prequel, which I like backstories in comics. I think that's the nice place to do a backstory or some kind of prequely stuff because it right. gives you insight into the world without messing with the characters that I want to see on screen. It lets me instead... Now, some of the characters did show up, like the main people that work inside of the right, lab. Yeah, Matthew Modine. But none of the main, yeah. yeah, none of the big characters that you know, you know, none of the kids right. or anything like that. So the art in it, 
so you guys looked at, I found the art to be kind of flat and blah. It didn't jump out at me. It wasn't amazing. It was serviceable, I would say. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, the I don't think in this type of a book, you're going to get wowed by the art very often. It's the story that's got to carry. Mm-hmm. And it did. And the story was interesting. The uh, My only criticism really of the story is that it was over too fast. It just, it, it kind of, it got everything set up. And when the, uh, when the book ends, nothing, nothing happened that left you like a grabber or a cliffhanger. Like, well, here's the next thing here. You don't miss issue two. Right. So they spent all their time setting up the world that they're going to prequel mm-hmm. and establish a few characters. And they didn't just then say, and oh my God, this guy shows up. It's nothing like that. So you've got to right. already come into this book ready to know some more about the back end of Stranger Things. I think to want to continue to go on to another issue. While I agree that the art is serviceable, but not outstanding and the story, John, you mentioned it being short and felt like it was over quickly. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job with it well enough that even if I wasn't doing the drawn and panel podcast, I would buy issue number two just based off of issue number one. So I'm a fan of it so far. I think I would continue to read it as well. Yeah. Now, Jason, that was John's book. He We finally talked him into picking a book, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a dud. Yay. Yay. It wasn't a dud. It was something that we would all actually continue right. to read, which is a minor miracle in and of itself that a comic <laughs> movie found a book. I think he kind of played the odds, though, by picking hey, a Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, what about you, Jason? What have you got up for us this week? I brought Oliver Number 1 from Image Comics. It's written by Gary Witta and Derek Robertson. Now, this issue was released on January 23rd, so I'm coming a little coming oh, wow. a little late. Quite a ways yeah, back going there. Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the art on the cover and some of the you know preview stuff looked really good, and now I'm getting around to it. Uh, and from the title, you could probably guess this is a new take on the classic Charles Dickens book, Oliver Twist. Takes place in a post-apocalyptic world with uh, like a community of bald-headed mutants that look like our test tube guys that you know mm-hmm. look like Bruce yep. Willis, and they're kind of regulated to the. <laughs> Wow. I'm not sure if that insults Bruce Willis or the mutants. I don't know which one. It is. Hey, now, don't hate on John McClane. Yeah. So they, they, they come in contact with this baby who grows faster and he may not be what he seems. He may be half human, half hybrid. We don't know, but it, it follows loosely that Oliver Twist storyline. So, you know, there's three issues out right now, finally getting around to it, but it does have some really gorgeous art in it. What did you guys think about it? Yeah, I actually, I remember picking this book out when it first got started being talked mm-hmm. about in January. And I remember thinking to myself, oh yeah, I need to read that. So I grabbed a digital copy of it and wanted to read it. But like you, I you know had right. so many other things to read that it got shuffled back to the wayside. I don't know the Oliver Twist story well enough from Dickens to say how close or loosely based this is on that property. So I'm going strictly by the synopsis I've read online to say that it's <laughs> loosely based. But I think that It's a fun story, and even if it wasn't based on Oliver Twist, I would enjoy reading this story without that link. I had a different entry angle because I do know Oliver Twist really, really well. Uh, I I have read it. I have taken part in productions of it, both musically and uh, anyway, so I know know the story well. Yeah. and Did you play Oliver? (laughs) Tell me you played Oliver. No, 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 no. No, I did not. (laughs) Were you a mutant? Did you play a mutant? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. You see, there are very few mutants in the original Oliver Twist. You might not be aware. 
Oh, is that part of the loosely part? <laughs> so, yeah, this was other than the fact that this kid's named Oliver. He's an orphan. That's the only thing this has to do with Oliver That's Twist. It. <laughs> it's his so name it, and he's an orphan. That's it. It turned me off on this book because I'm like, you're just jockeying in the popularity of what Oliver Twist means to people and, the, you know, bringing in like the knowledge of the character. And otherwise, so the rest of it by itself could have been its own good story, but it was actually tarnished for me because I'm waiting for oh. like, well, where's the Oliver Twist part? You know, where's the twist in Oliver Twist? Right. You know, where's, where's something's <laughs> going to happen? He wasn't living in an orphanage. He wasn't, you know, trod upon. He's not a uh, street urchin that has to pickpocket for his money. I mean, yeah, where's he all did, the he did a little, a little bit of that, bit. yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of he, running through the street and he stole something mm-hmm. from a guy and everything. Yeah, but there's enough of a difference. See, he actually left the orphanage and was hanging out with all these these uh, little street urchins and had to do that to survive, okay. whereas he's just hanging out with all these clones. I thought it had enough of its own story that it could have been its own thing and just called, you know, Bobby and not had the Oliver Twist angle. So it kind of tarnished it for me. I thought the art was pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, The writing was decent. I did like the art. Yeah, but I I didn't care for the connection to Oliver Twist, frankly, and that turned me off because it was too far removed. Now, I will say issue two, there is a stronger connection. There's one scene that is like a classic Oliver Twist scene in issue two. Oh, really? Okay, so maybe we'll have to review that for our next roundtable. I do want to point out, though, that one thing that we all three seem to have echoed is that were this not called Oliver, we would have enjoyed the storyline, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Sure. It's a good storyline. They've done a good job. The artwork of the three books we're going to talk about today, I think the art in Oliver was my favorite of the three. Hmm. Um, I don't. And I think this is the book that I would be second most interested in following as far as, you know, continuing to read series, you know, Mm -hmm. issue after issue. But I guess because I don't have such a close connection to Oliver, that's why I wasn't turned off. But I totally get why you were, John. Yeah. And so you you bring that baggage in. If if you're going to name it and associate it with that, you got to either do it justice or, you know, somehow tie in. Otherwise, it just feels like it's tacked on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So enough about Jason's Oliver. George, you picked a book this time, and it's a book actually we covered way back in episode 12 of Drawn and Panel. Yeah, well, I mean, we as relative, Jason and I covered it. You were (laughs) were on that podcast, the royal we. Uh, Yes, it's Assassin Nation. Jason brought this book in at that point. I hadn't really heard of it. It's a really cool little storyline. Essentially, a Imagine if all the top assassins in the world have a website where they decide who's the top assassin going at that time. So it's kind of like twin galaxies for arcade machines, but for assassins. (laughs) It's published by Image Comics. This particular issue that we're going to talk about today, which is issue number three, was released on May 22nd, a couple of weeks ago. It's written by Kyle Starks and drawn by Erica Henderson. Basically, the synopsis is the surviving hitmen from the first couple of issues, they go into full on kill mode as they try to take down the leader of the Marita Mora gang and maybe finally put this whole crazy scenario to bed. Of course, none of that happens and they're not able to finish (laughs) anything because if it did, that'd be the end of the series and they want to keep going with it. Now, you're not new to this book, so I had a question from the beginning of the book. There's this roster and a bunch of characters are X'd out. Were those Mm -hmm. characters that appeared in earlier issues that were killed? They were in issue number one and killed in issue mm-hmm. number one. A lot I, of them. Some right. of them in issue number two. I but see. yeah, that's the yep. whole thing about why I said our surviving hitmen, it doesn't take long for, these are hitmen assassins. You'd think they'd last longer than 30 pages in a no. comic book. No, no, not so much. Yeah, apparently not. Even if this was a film, they some of them would have barely made it out of like the first five minutes. I mean, these were quick deaths. So it's been a crazy series. It's a lot of fun. The art in this thing, not the best. 
It's pretty weak. Uh, I know it's stylized and some people like that kind of style. I'm not a big fan of the artwork, but the writing in this thing and just the overall concept mm-hmm. is what keeps me coming back to the series. It's not one that you're going to gain some in-depth knowledge about the universe from, but it's one that you can, it's like bubblegum comic books at this point. It's, you can enjoy it. It's something you can read quickly, put down, pick up the next issue later on. And it's a fun release, cathartic kind of thing. Yeah, it's a fun series. Uh, I really enjoy, we mentioned it before, but that first page of the the tally board, uh, that's always fun to see. Right, yeah. With the X'd out yeah. dead guys. And then the rankings change every issue of who's the top hit man or hit woman and their kill number goes up based on the previous issue. So that's a lot of fun. And it's nice too that they're able to take so many different characters and they're able to keep them separate enough that you can follow along with who's who. Sometimes I find that in comic books, like we talked about with Crisis on Infinite Earths or any of those things, they have so many people in the panels that it's hard to even figure out who's actually there Mm -hmm. and what they're doing. But in this one, each one of these assassins, especially as they've been whittled down over the first couple of issues, they have unique little small storylines that all kind of fit and weave nicely together, I think. Well, you're right that the art is so simplistic that I think that contributes to it being very easy to get through and easy to identify what's happening and the characters. Uh, I found, so this is my first entry into uh, looking at assassination and I found it to be very John mm-hmm. Wicky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A little bit. It had yeah. kind of like, you know, you're at the Continental, but you know, they all are talking back at the, the main base and they go out and perform something. So they're kind of working as a team, it seems, not just individual assassins. And right. uh, I thought the writing though was really funny and clever. I chuckled out loud several times. Mm-hmm. At one point, they described this guy as, what if a testicle evolved into a man and then got crammed <laughs> into a wheelchair? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> and then a few frames later, I saw him and I'm like, yes. nailed it. That's exactly what that <laughs> would look like. <laughs> And, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading about how to write for comic books. And so I can imagine how that script and art session went. Like the the writer wrote that line and sent it over to the artist with probably some other little key points (laughs) or something about the character. That's what it's got to look like. And the artist drew it out and sent it back. And the guy said, hmm, yeah, I don't think we have to do anything different. Mm -hmm. This is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And my final comment on this is just two words. Fuck Tarkington. <laughs> <laughs> that character, first his name, badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Just personality, just the way he's drawn, everything about him. I don't know how, what is going to happen with Assassination Nation, but if he gets killed, I'm out. <laughs> it's a bird. It's a plane. It's underoos. Well, wobble my webs. It's a real change of underwear. Wearing underoos is fun. <laughs> And you can choose from more than one. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, I always like to give you a final question. And today's question is, which do you prefer? A comic book based on a TV show, film, or previous book? Or a comic book based on an original story? John, you want to take that one first? Oh, happy to. I think I've shown my bias by picking the Stranger Things book. I, For me, I really am finding that things based on franchises that I know are the ones I'm enjoying. And I don't just mean because I come in with a 
knowledge of what's happening. It's that I already know enough about the book that with comic books being short, you can give me just a little taste of it and I have a context to put it into without having to overload me with dialogue or, you know, kill me with a bunch of exposition. You can insert it into that mythology already exists and I can start enjoying it right away. So that's why I prefer those. I'm going to go with original story. I, I, I do like comic books based on other properties. Uh, they can be hit or miss. I think in this case for this episode, we got some hits on that stuff, but I, I like I like seeing original content in my comic books, but it, it always be it a always varies. You just want to disagree with me is all. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, I'm going to be the Tie glue breaker. that holds the show together. Then. I'm going to say I like both. Oh, that's and a cop out. It's not a cop out. <laughs> and I, I'm going to make my point. The reason why is because just like you said, John, when something already has something based out there in the world that I already enjoy, that's an easy entry point. That's easy to pick up, read. Right. You already have buy-in and investment. That's simple. But when you find a comic book with a great original story, and it has to be good, mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to drop it pretty quickly. When you find something with a great original story that you can sink your teeth into, something like a Solar Flare or The Mall or any of these other books that we've talked about over the past right. 20 plus episodes, I think that that enhances the world even more because you're not taking something that somebody's already done and then adding something to it and doing it well. You're taking something completely new and original and putting it out there in the world and I find great value in it. I still say it's a cop-out. <laughs> <laughs> cop-outs or not, before we get out of here, we have some people to thank and those are our patrons oh, over yeah. at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And I'm talking to you, Slow-Mo, Corey, T2, Dana, Agile, Marcus, Stubaka, Will, Thomas, Jessica, and Stian. Mm-hmm. We thank you so much mm-hmm. for all that you do at patreon.com. Just a couple of bucks a month. Some guys are even in the upper echelon categories like doing the $10 a month, which is absolutely bonkers to me that somebody thinks we're worth $10 a month. It, I it, think it's that's flattering. Awesome. It's humbling. <laughs> and, and, and it really, really helps. Man, does it help. It helps to defray it the cost of everything. I mean, even the way we record these podcasts cost like 20 bucks yeah. a month. You know what I mean? So yeah, every absolutely. little bit costs and it... Uh, Pieces it, of equipment and everything. Right. I mean, we mm-hmm. take most of those costs on ourselves and everything, but it's yeah. nice to know that people are trying right. to help us with that stuff. Right. And the reality is we would do it without them, but I wouldn't want to have to. It's just so encouraging to have people that believe in us that much. Yeah, and that's why we call your names out on every single episode because of how much we appreciate it. And I want to add more names to that list. So if you're listening right now, it's just one more dollar it's a month a to buck, get your name buck, added bucks. to this list on mm-hmm. Drawn and Paneled. We also call your name out on Gen X Grown Up, which is another awesome podcast in our family. And we just want to say thank you to all you guys out there. Yeah, thank you so much. And there's perks to be had. If you go and check it out, you can read the levels and see what kind of cool stuff is waiting behind the wall for you. And we will be back in two weeks with another of our regular episodes. And next week with our back issue edition, Jason, hit him with the subject. We're going to the early 90s and we're going to get savage with Image Comics Savage Dragon number one. You're really trying to oversell this book, man. You better hope this pans out. We'll see. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, I had a lot of fun talking today. Jason, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. John, always appreciate you. Oh, yeah, you bet. And podcast listener, we appreciate you most of all, and we will see you guys next time. See everybody later. Bye-bye now. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.
We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at thegww.com. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dino Chapotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.